So I think he's proving a lot of critics uh, wrong at the moment, especially with that. I mean, it's one of the best wins I've seen for a long time from any driver. <laughs> but the Ferrari apparatus, Fred Vasseur, and, and what they've done, they nailed it, the strategy. Um, now we all know why McLaren fought so hard to get him from Alpine after a silly season a year ago. You know, it is tough, and I'm going to be doing that this weekend, guys. So please do think of me or Nate. Well, oh. we'll, we'll send you a you said it yourself. Katie George here, which means it's time to get unlapped. We'll break down all things Singapore, hit some news, and get you ready for Japan. And speaking of Japan, Lawrence Edmondson just touched down in Tokyo, which means we have a familiar face joining the show in replacement of Edmondson, Tyler Denning. So good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Hopefully Lawrence is pounding the pit pavement out there at Suzuka and getting all the info that we need, but I'm happy to be here with you guys. I hope he's sleeping. And as always, we have Nate Saunders. It's lovely to see you always as well. Thank you, Casey. Yep, Nate Saunders is still here. Our listeners are like, damn, the wrong one. Couldn't make it. Um, <laughs> no one has ever said that, ever. Well, so to, on Tyler's point, I can say Lawrence's uh, Instagram is always worth a follow. He's a fantastic mm -hmm. photographer when he's away from Formula One. And he he's is. already having the best time of his life, kind of, you know, taking photos down there. And I've never been to Japan, but it looks incredible. It looks just like, uh, you know, everyone who goes there says it's, it's like a like a different world, you know, it, like just in a little kind of in a little place there. So, yeah, I'm very jealous of him being out there right now. Yeah, I always wonder. Gig. I know exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. Singapore <laughs> and Japan are on my bucket list for Formula One races to be able to attend one day. And I always wonder how the two of you work out your schedules. Do you flip a coin? I mean, sometimes you guys double up and go to like home races that you're nearby, Silverstone being one. Sometimes the American races, you're both at. But like, how do you guys decide who goes where when it's just an individual? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, a lot of the uh, Lawrence still kind of, I guess, gets the gets the pick. Otherwise, I'd be out in Japan right now. Uh, but for the okay. for a lot of them, it makes sense for us to both be there. You know, from a cost perspective, logistics. You know, a lot of the European races, obviously Silverstone's a short drive for both of us. Mm -hmm. uh, the US races being ESPN, we both go to, and then we'll discuss. So, like, I'm the only one going to Qatar in two weeks. Lawrence is taking some time off. I think deep down, if it was down to Lawrence, he'd go to every single one, regardless mm -hmm. of whether I was there or not. But sometimes our bosses have to say to him, "Dude, you know, you need a bit of time at home." Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's obviously a fun battle that we have to be like, I want to go to this. No, it's me. You yeah. know, it's, it's, it's one of those good problems to have at work. I'd say. Yeah. Well, that's he wants to keep his, his flyer status. I'm sure. You know, well, that's, yeah, well, that's it. He's well. accumulating. <laughs> and I've, I've noticed that the more I've traveled, the more you, your points go agonizingly close to the tiers you need. So suddenly you're like, actually, I totally get why people are <laughs> precious about certain races. Cause this race basically determines whether you're, uh, you know, in a lounge or not. So. <laughs> That's how you know you have a good job, though, when you're you're yes. arguing over who gets to go where. You want yeah, to come get, things. Who gets That's... who gets closer to lounge access this week? Yes. Is it me or you? <laughs> it's a good gig. <laughs> All right. Remember, if you're watching us on YouTube, like this video, leave us a comment, and don't forget to subscribe to ESPN for more F1 content. And if you're listening, hit us with a five star review wherever you get your podcast. It means a great deal to us here on Unlapped. All right, we're gonna dive right in. Singapore was awesome. Carlos Sainz, round of applause, my friend. He won his second race in F1 thanks to his performance on the weekend. He becomes just the eighth active driver to have multiple race wins. Nate, I think it was you on the last pod. You mentioned how impressive Sainz has been since the summer break. What did you think of his race weekend overall? Best race of Carlos Sainz's career uh, quite comfortably, you know, and, and Monza. Yeah. Monza was was really strong, you know, when he when he held off uh, Charles, held off Max for a lot of that race as well. 
And you're right. Yeah, he's he's and he even spoke about this change that he's had since the summer break. I think he said he and his mechanics and his engineers sat down and they said, right, I've got pace during a weekend. You know, I know I'm quick, but we saw so often with signs through weekends, especially earlier this year, he would look quick in practice. And then suddenly out of nowhere, Charles Leclerc, who's probably the best qualifier in Formula One, would just pull a lap out of somewhere, qualify ahead of signs, maybe by one, two, three, or maybe even four positions. And that dictates your whole weekend from that point. You know, if you're if you're the second car, you often end up on the second best strategy because the team says, well, optimum strategy goes to the guy in front. That's just the way it is. And science, I've got to say, from <clears throat> from the moment uh, you know, the session started in Singapore, he looked like he was on it. And um, he qualified on pole. And I was I, I had my doubts because I wondered, you know, it's a, it's a difficult situation for Ferrari to be in. They've got Charles Charles was, you know, the second Ferrari on the racetrack during the race. But Ferrari fair played and they called it really well. Um, Charles got really unlucky with on the pit stops, but Science did everything he had to do. And we can dig into this now. But one of the smartest wins I think I've seen for a very long time, just the way he backed Lando, you know, into the DRS, his own DRS zone. You know, he even had McCla- uh, Ferrari saying to him, "You do know, you, you do know he's still That's in the DRS zone, right?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, it's on purpose." But I think it was a really interesting insight into Science's kind of his temperament. You know, the head that he's got on his shoulders is. He's a really smart racing driver. Mm-hmm. And actually at Ferrari, you kind of, I think we're starting to see you've got these two very, very different drivers. You've got Charles Leclerc, who's kind of the raw talent and maybe beats himself up quite a bit when when he makes mistakes, maybe is in his own head quite a bit. With science, I would say, you know, if you were to compare the two, probably isn't as naturally gifted as Charles. But okay. we're seeing now that he's obviously worked out a way to race, worked out a way to drive consistently. And if he can carry this on, I mean, I think he's in. I think he's in great shape going into next year. Obviously, he doesn't have a contract like Charles beyond twenty twenty four. But yeah, superb race from him. And I've got to say, you know, I've not always, I've not always spoken super, super glowingly about science, especially earlier in the year. So I think he's proving a lot of critics uh, wrong at the moment, and especially with that. I mean, it's one of the best wins I've seen for a long time from any driver. Um, really, really good. I think consistency, Tyler, was the word that stuck out most, and also just. He not only physically did a great job mentally, I thought he just was light years ahead of everybody else on that racetrack. Nate brings it up, Tyler, but what, what did you think of the end of the race and how things played out with the little Carlando that we got to see? Uh, a smooth operator. Guys, you go on YouTube right now, and if you look at Sade, smooth operator, all of the top <laughs> comments now are about Carlos Sainz, but the, the <laughs> immense pressure that he was under from the get-go you know it it was he knew from the jump what would happen and then as the race evolved his racecraft to me is really what stuck out and your your point nate about the raw speed that we've seen with leclerc and charles being so fast but signs he he just doesn't seem to get rattled and you look back to to last year years past and some of those dnfs that he had or rex even suzuka last year he he you know first lap he doesn't finish it wasn't it didn't seem to be his fault so there the results didn't always seem to be on his end but the results weren't there but he is really settled into a groove and, and Katie to your question it was amazing to to mm-hmm. watch that and to see you know I can't think of another moment where there were two drivers that were on opposite teams but were working together because the benefit it, it was a zero sum the benefit was for both of them yeah. Orlando to finish second because he knew hey this is my best chance to podium and 
for Carlos out front knowing, hey, I, I'm going to do this intentionally. And uh, tip of the cap to Ferrari. I've been critical of Ferrari. Everybody's been critical of Ferrari. Absolutely. But the <laughs> Ferrari apparatus, Fred Vasseur and, and what they've done, they nailed it. The strategy at, at the start to put Charles on the softs to then back it up. And and I think one of the biggest takeaways for me, guys, the, the point of this sport is to go fast. But Carlos went slow. He went slow and he drove to a Delta. He drove to a time and it was perfectly executed. And it, it was, it was great to see. It really was. It was just smart driving top to bottom. So kudos to him. Kudos to Lando Norris, as we mentioned, was a part of that to ensure that Carlos got the win and that he got his fourth career second place finish. Um, that's tied for second most runner-up finishes without a win in Formula One history. So we'll be waiting for Lando Norris oh, wow. to stand top of the podium. Great yep, thanks to the SIG. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Lewis Hamilton finished P3. Nate accurately called that as did Lawrence Edmondson, and I did not. How oh. you, you you vote against did Lewis you... Hamilton, I have no idea. But I... What a devastating situation to finish P3 and watch your teammate just oh, absolutely bend it at the end. We'll get into that. But the biggest storyline outside of Carlos Sainz's unbelievable race is the fact that Red Bull streak has finally come to an end. Impressive 15 consecutive weight win streak finally over. Was it realistic, you guys, that they were going to be able to win every single race on the calendar? Well, I started to think it was. <laughs> so I know we we're all I leaning didn't really into it. fully believe over the summer, uh, you know, until we got to, uh, past the summer break and then we had Zandvoort and Monza. We saw Max come through those two races. I just thought there's no beating this guy, you know. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I think people even started to seriously consider it, it's got away from them. But yeah, the, the you know, when you actually look at the probabilities, pretty unlikely. You I think head, Tyler. One point, Nate, I saw a Patriots jersey in, in your background and your collection, and it, it brought me back to when the Patriots were seeking perfection. It yeah. is it, it's near impossible, especially in this sport, the amount of variables that have to go your way. And guys, I don't know about you, but if I hear the term flexible wing one more time <laughs> and, and talk about that, it's going to drive me crazy. I mean, Red Bull, the, the streak and the run that they've had, uh, you know, Christian Horner saying it, it's unfathomable. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and and yet and still you you wonder if maybe a couple of things had adjusted and, and if Alcon, if that's a couple laps later for Red Bull, do they have a chance to win the race? I mean, Max had a little bit of pace, so yet and still they were there. Uh, but, you know, I mean, that, a remarkable run. I, I don't think we'll ever see anything like that again. Quick clarification on the jersey. It was Patriots related. It was a Brady jersey, but it's Buccaneers. Ah. They've never been close to being undefeated, but <laughs> Brady, you, you do associate him with the okay. Season, so. There you go. That's I'll where I got you. the Pats reference. You know, for some yeah, reason, no, no, it was, it's Patriots, a... but it was Brady. Yeah, yes, I think you just probably saw the Brady, Brady the Brady name. So, uh, but no, it's a fair, it's a fair guess, mate. <laughs> Unbelievable run by Red Bull, as you both mentioned. Um, interesting note, though, McLaren's 1988 11 race win streak was also brought to an end by Ferrari. Heartbreakers, they are. Now we'll just see if they can continue uh, to roll with the momentum. Bit of news before we break into our preview of the Japan Grand Prix. Oscar Piastri has signed an extension with McLaren through 2026. Deservedly so. I mean, he has been by far and away the best rookie on the grid in the McLaren. Um, now we all know why McLaren fought so hard to get him from Alpine after silly season a year ago. Nate, what do we know about this extension and the timing of it? 
Yeah, the timing of it's quite curious because I don't think it was widely expected we were going to get this. You know, mm -hmm. some sometimes these things kind of come together quite quickly. But it is a very interesting deal because you're absolutely right. You know, McLaren, they know exactly what they've got in Oscar Piastri. You know, he is potentially a superstar in waiting. We've already seen glimpses of that. Obviously, second position at the sprint race at Spa was fourth at Silverson, probably should have been on the podium. Yeah. was really unlucky not to be on the podium. And McLaren, every time you've spoken to anyone at McLaren this year, they've just said, this guy, you know, he is as good as we thought he was. And obviously with that, you, you hinted at it, you know, the, the famous tweet now, he went to court to get out of the Alpine Alpine deal, but the reason Zach Brown was willing to do that was because he knew how good uh, Piastri was. But we knew he'd signed a multi-year deal, and everything we know is that it was to the end of next year, so the end of 2024. Really rare to see a contract extended like this, you know, before it's before it's close to expiring, you know, mm -hmm. before the current deal you're on is close to expiring. And it's two more years. And what's fascinating about that from a Formula One perspective is that so Lando Norris's deal currently goes to 2025, which, as we've talked about before, is right on the cusp of the next rule change in 2026. So Lando is probably going to be able to bide his time a little bit, see where things are, see how McLaren look in 24, 25, if they're able to deliver a championship contending car in 25 with this current car that they're that they're evolving. He'll probably think, well, you know, these guys might under the new rules, you know, everything is in place now for them to challenge. But he's given himself that leeway. He's given himself you know, a chance to say, oh, I can go to Red Bull, I can go to Mercedes, I can go to obviously the Audi team, which is now led by former McLaren team boss, uh, Andreas Seidel, who's a huge mm -hmm. fan of Norris and a huge fan, fan of science, as it turns out. Um, but what Piastri has done is he's basically taken himself out of all of that contention. And he's he's so committed to McLaren. He's, his faith is so high in McLaren that he's committed to 2026. And it goes both ways. McLaren's faith in Piastri is so strong. They've extended him. So it's a really... It, it just shows you how close those two sides are together at this point. And for Piastri to have, have signed up for one year of that of that next rule cycle, it's a really brave call, I think, because the way these contracts work, it's very unlikely a lot of drivers are going to be on one-year deals in 2026, I think. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will be signing deals with 26 and 27 in mind. So he could be in a situation where if McLaren isn't the quickest team in 26 and he suddenly thinks, I've got to get out of here, he might be able to at the end of that year, but his options might be limited because people might be on different deals. So that's a lot of hypothetical stuff for down the road. And that was what I first you know, started thinking. Once I'd written the news report and once I'd done a little video mm -hmm. hit for the site earlier, my mind started to think on the ramifications of it. But the the easier news to digest is that McLaren love Piastri. Piastri loves McLaren. And at the moment, I would say... I've always thought the Mercedes lineup is probably the best in terms of if, if I was looking at it and saying the one I would take, because you've got Lewis there, you've got George there, and you know both of the obviously Lewis has won a lot of races, George has won one race. In terms of raw talent and excitement, it's got to be McLaren, you know, for the potential of those two guys. And they're together for the next two years at least now with with Norris's deal, as I mentioned. So a bit of a surprising move in terms of the timing of it, but not surprising that McLaren are doing everything they can to to keep Piastri down for as long as they can, because if he's as good as he's looked, then like Lando, you know, we're talking about a guy who should be able to challenge for championships in future. And you don't get drivers like that come along every day. So for McLaren to have two of those guys in their stable, it's pretty special. And they've got to be feeling pretty good about where things are at the moment. Really quickly. Remember when Lando signed his contract extension, it was for a lengthy period of time. How many years was that extension? Do you remember off the top of your head? I, yes, so that was he signed that at the start of 2021 or two until 2025. So that was three years. 
three years. Uh, so similar to what similar to what Piastri's done here. Okay. Obviously, he's done 24, 25, 26. So obviously, you know, if you're Zach Brown, this is becoming something that, you know, you're offering your drivers quite a lot. And it gives it and stability works both ways. You know, for drivers, drivers always talk about how important it is knowing you've got long-term stability there, mm-hmm. especially when you're a young driver. You know, you know, if you start making mistakes, it's like, well, look, I instead of having a, a year and a half left on my deal, I've got three and a half years left on my deal. Mm-hmm. It suddenly takes a lot of that pressure away. Sure. It means the way you work on things is a lot different. So it's a smart move from that, you know, from their perspective. Um, but yeah, maybe that's a Zach Brown special, a three-year deal. You're right though, Katie. I need to, as Tider talks, I'm going to quickly check that out because it's, yeah. I, I can't remember for the life of me what, what, what year that I was. just wanted a little comparison just to see if it was a similar length or maybe if McLaren Tyler had gone to him and even offered him more years, but he settled on, you know, 2026 being long enough. You mentioned Carlos Sainz being a smooth operator. I think Oscar Piastri is a smooth operator for as young as he is. Like the kid is so poised. He seems unflappable on track. Well, and not only that off the track to go through the circus that he went through with the media and every, and to, to lean into it as well. I don't know if you guys saw his social media earlier today, but he made reference to the infamous tweet and the situation about how he ended up. But Nate, to your point, I, I wonder as well, how much of this is McLaren looking at Lando and saying, maybe, maybe not. We don't know because he has that option and we know we have something here. So we don't want to go into those new regulation sites and and have you know two in the bush two in the hand whatever it is they they would have none versus one so that that's interesting as well but the kid is yeah, unflappable so it's it's good to see in a sport that has a lot of instability some stability and so katie to go back to what you said it was it was start of 2022 so it was exactly okay. the same three-year deal um and if you remember we all kind of criticized that deal and questioned the logic of it at the time i think the response to this one has been a bit different i guess that's just because of different points of where they are in their career but it also speaks to where mclaren is right now versus where they were in 2022 which i is, think that's a fair point made, they've because... obviously made improvements and now it's it yes. seems like less of a risky move than it might have done when lando signed that deal yeah, where they are in the car that they're in is drastically different than when we were having that conversation um, a year ago. So that makes total sense. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Okay, Suzuka time because it's an iconic track and weather always seems to be a factor. Uh, High-speed circuit, that is certainly challenging, but a favorite among the drivers. What type of racing uh, can we expect to see either one of you want to take this one? Because the next one, the next question is an easy one. Let me tell you. Have you guys looked at the the weather forecast yet? 
I've seen a, a You're little ahead of bit me. of rain. My hope Give it time. is that, that we're not sitting for two and a half hours like we did yeah. last year, waiting for the race to start. And then also going through the race with the uncertainty of what the outcome may or may not be. But Katie, Suzuka is one of, it's a beautiful track to watch the drivers navigate the S's at the start as they go uphill. It has high speed. It has some of the most memorable corners. Uh, it, it, it looks great on TV. There's so much there. It's such an exciting weekend. I was telling you guys prior to, to the pod here, I'm a night owl, so it falls within a window. I love being nice. able to, to watch that 1 a.m. race, 1 a.m. qualification. So I'm all in. I, I love it. So this race is an interesting one from a from a UK perspective because, as you guys know, a lot of European fans, or a lot of, you know, I say a lot of European fans, a lot of European fans who are on Twitter seem to complain at the moment that the US has three races. We know that there were the, all the schedules geared around you Europeans yeah. in your timeline. Exactly. Uh-huh. This is one of the this is one of the rare ones where you know I f- I feel like I have more of an American fan experience because this one is an early start for us and actually growing up. This used to be one of my favorite races because for for all the reasons Tyler mentioned, Suzuka is an incredible, incredible uh, circuit, but it was always six or seven in the morning. Mm -hmm. And because it used to be the penultimate round or it used to be at that end of the calendar, Mm -hmm. there was usually something riding on it in terms of the championship. And I remember getting up when I was about 10 to watch Schumacher win in 2000. And it's just it, it, it felt a lot more special. Not just because of the of the early wake up, but as a kid, you kind of remember, remember those a lot more. Um, I think Suzuka. I'm I'm so gutted that Suzuka is kind of this far up the calendar now. Um, it makes sense, I guess, from a logistical point of view. But there was always so much riding on it before when it was towards the end. So that's my only criticism of it, and it's not really of Suzuka. It's more just of the scheduling. But it's an amazing place and um, definite bucket list circuit. Um, are you so saying Lawrence that there's? Listening. Are you saying there's nothing riding on this one? Well, sorry, there's this, but Max can't win here, you know. So and 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 well, sorry, he can win the race. He can't win the championship here. Uh, mathematically, and my point being, like at this point, we know Max is going to win it, right? Whereas it's penultimate yes. race or final race, you know, it was. But then again, but then again, we didn't always get title deciders. So I've I'm basing it on one memory of Schumacher rather than you know a, well, a yearly thing. Welcome to the life of an American Formula One fan of having yeah, to set the exactly. alarm for five fifty five a.m. Know, so you though. can make it out to the couch by six. Six a.m. is pretty early. I mean, I know it's one a.m in the u.s give or take a few hours but then six like at least ours are usually around eight or nine a.m that gives you a little bit more time to snooze six a.m that's a this one's tough and because of the time of year now the sun is barely up at that point so you know it's easy to be up when the sun's up isn't it but when it's dark outside you know i'm not saying you know crimea river everyone's here thinking this english Mm guy can't deal with one or two early starts but you know it is tough and i'm going to be doing that this weekend guys so please do think of me poor nate okay i can't believe i'm even asking this question so just you know we'll just breeze straight through it um tyler can max and red bull bounce back this weekend <laughs> yes <laughs> I, I fully okay. expect them to absolutely okay perfect we'll move on do we need to <laughs> yeah. do we need to say anything else no well, yeah i mean i think it's 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 um it's pretty pretty straightforward, but I think that, that that's what's fascinating about this last week is that a lot of people messaged me maybe who did watch the race or didn't, and were suddenly like, "So wait, a Red Bull, a Red Bull not good anymore?" <laughs> and you had to say, "No, you know the you know the basically uh, Lawrence would do a better job of explaining this, but Singapore, the ride height, I couldn't ride the car as aggressively as I usually do, mm-hmm. that impacted the performance, uh, and with Ferrari, Mercedes, etc., being a bit stronger, it 
balanced out in the way we saw. And I think going back to Suzuka, and you mentioned it earlier, Katie, or, or Tyler, one, one, I think maybe both of you did, that Max actually had some pretty good pace in the race. It's just, you know, he still came through to finish fifth. So that Red Bull, I think, is still a bit of a beast. Um, but yeah, sorry, I, I ruined I ruined Tyler's snappy response. But just for anyone listening who wondered why, it was pretty a pretty big pretty big anomaly. Um, and I'd love it. I'd love us to be wrong. It'd be great because that was one of the best races of the year. But to be fair, and as dominant as he's been, it's it's great for storylines, right? It's it's nice to have like a little mix up here and a bright spot for Ferrari to be able to hold on to and just just some kind of parody that can be track specific. And so Suzuka obviously presents its own kind of challenges different than Singapore. As we look at Ferrari, do you guys feel like they could threaten to go back to back? They are slowly catching Mercedes for P2 in the Constructors' Championship. For Ferrari, I expect to be there. It, it seems like Mercedes has outside, take Red Bull out of the equation because mm-hmm. you know, you're know you on Twitter, you're on Reddit, you're on these forums. This is a phenomenal season if you take Red Bull out of the equation. But Mercedes has such a consistent car, it feels like, but their highs sometimes aren't as high as where Ferrari can hit. So it, it remains, you know, this, if Ferrari can build on their momentum and that's always, it feels like a, a big if with Ferrari consistency. Mercedes is consistent. Ferrari is wildly inconsistent, but they can have pace. So I, there's, there's a chance. I mean, sure it it can, it always happen, but I think the biggest question for Ferrari would be if they're going to go back to back, who would it be? Would it, would it be Leclerc that wins or would it be signs that win signs is operating at, you know, and I'm sure I'd mentioned last year, the disappointment he had in that race going out in the first lap. That was the third time. If you guys remember last year that he had not made it to lap number two, that was probably the lowest point I would say for signs, maybe in in his F1 career. So I think he's going to go into this weekend oozing with confidence that that's going to be great to watch within Ferrari. And did you guys see already with the garage setup that they forgot to, to put yeah, one? It was two signs garages. So <laughs> that's got to be a great omen going into the weekend. Been fixed. <laughs> they, they have Been remedied fixed. the mistake. Imagine Charles Blair does have a spot. That. You're like, hang on a sec. I was, I was the golden boy three races ago. Yeah. Now I don't even have a carriage. Do you remember uh, the uh, in Hard Knocks when the player went to badge in and he couldn't get into the yes. team facility? The Jets, is that is it Jets player? Yeah. yeah. Is that how Leclerc felt when he went and he showed up? And yeah. you know, okay, so they've cloned Carlos and they're going to run two Carloses. <laughs> the rise and fall so quick, so quick. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's been remedied. Carlos signs has one and Charles Leclerc was right next to him. So his face has been plastered, thankfully, but I uh, can't imagine that blunder when it was pointed out to whoever was putting this signage up, how uh, embarrassed they probably felt. I, how did it get up? Somebody had this and I don't nobody, know. where's your quality control to be like, uh, those are the same guys. Also the fact that they have two working, is impressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you're working on it and it's right in front of you, I don't think you'd have seen the other one. So <laughs> someone else passing needed to be the person to say, guys, <laughs> Yeah. We've got two scientists here. The guys putting up, I feel bad for because uh, hey, they would have just had the, you know, whatever signs they were given. I just were given. saw what you, yeah, two scientists. I saw what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Maybe it's a sign. Definitely not intentional, but I'll take it. I'll take it if people want to think it. I'm that smart. Okay. That's our that's our signs to move on, Katie. Go ahead. Nice. Yeah, Tyler, before you get us off derailed for the rest of the pod, um, I'm going to get us back on track. And that uh, is going to be with Mercedes. Obviously, you're happy that Lewis Hamilton, one of your cars, finished his P3, but by all accounts, we thought it was going to be George Russell on the podium. 
Do you feel like Mercedes can bounce back? George Russell in particular, Nate, after what was a really heartbreaking weekend for him. Yeah, and I think I think the pressure will be on him, and you know a lot of focus will be on him for that reason. Um, he was he was really devastated by that. There was mm-hmm. you know, the interview he did afterwards to Sky. He was choking back tears, you know, when he was talking, which we saw when when he uh, on a couple of occasions, you know, when he nearly won for Mercedes on his first race when he got points for Williams. So George is a guy who he wears his emotions on his sleeve like that quite a lot, mm-hmm. you know, and he, you know he doesn't try and hide when he's when he's upset. Um, it'll be a really good test of his mental fortitude, I think, because. You know, that was a it, it was such a tiny mistake, but it had such a big consequence. But it's it's mm-hmm. easily the kind of thing you can overthink and you can you can really, you know, just you can. It's like a thread, you know, when you've got a thread hanging out of your jumper, you can keep pulling at it. And he's lucky that we're almost going immediately back racing. You know, He hasn't got too much time to dwell on it. Sometimes I've heard drivers say the worst time you can make a mistake like that that cost you a podium is before the summer break because you have four yeah. weeks just to sit and think about it and ruminate on it. He's he's right back in the car on Friday for practice, and you'll think he'll be able to get that out of his head. Um, but yeah, I think I think Mercedes will be will be good. I mean, they've been in they've been in pretty good shape all year in terms of that fight for second. They've not always been the, the second quickest team, but they've always been there or thereabouts. And I think what we're seeing from Mercedes is that you know those two guys are performing on such a good level. I would like to throw something out there just very quickly. Do you think the outcome of that race is different if Lewis and I asked the same question yes. after after Leclerc and Sainz were fighting in Monza, would they have been allowed to if it was the other way around? This one, if Lewis was ahead of Russell at the end and and the fight was the same, do you think Lewis gets passed? Do you think Lewis wins the race? Because I have a feeling, even if Mercedes don't want to admit it, you would do you want the guy there who's won 103 races or do you want the guy there who's won one? I think, I think it was experience just telling out, especially when they, uh, Russell nearly got past Norris. I think that Lewis may have, may have got that move done. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously a hypothetical, but I just want to throw it out there, create some chaos before we move on. No, I, also- I, 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 I'm, think that that is one of the biggest things so i want to know the team dynamic right now at mercedes because we all know how badly lewis hamilton wants to win again wants to win another race and he has to be sitting there saying that was me i make that pass on lando and then i'm able to go get carlos and win the race and be back on the top of the podium so I I think it's interesting. I think it, it bears mentioning, you know, how does Mercedes deal with that dynamic? I saw Toto's not going to be in Japan for the race this weekend, but Lewis has to be. There's that that impatience. He wants to win. He's a champion. Yeah. So there, there's got to be think, something going on there. And I think to Lewis's credit as well, I was actually quite surprised because he's not. He, he we don't always hear from Lewis him saying. You know, he'll admit when he's made, you know, you know, he's maybe not raced as well as he could. But on Sunday, he said, if I'd been on pole, I could have won the race. So he said, I've just got to improve on Saturdays, which is remarkable for a few reasons. One he's one of the best qualifiers we've ever seen. <laughs> um, but also it was kind of it was kind of a soft admission that had he qualified better, he could have been ahead of Russell at the end. And then he could have challenged for the win. At no point did he say the team should have let me past. I think he knew the reason George was ahead of me was because up until that moment, George had done the better job. Yeah. Um, and that, to Tyler's point, is where that dynamic's interesting because Russell has really, since the start of last season, really has moved his level up so much higher than we thought he would, um, or at least you know quickly. He's done it so quickly, quicker than we thought he would. Um, but yeah, Lewis winning a race would still be, I think, on, on most people's like bucket list of things they want to see one more time. Mm-hmm. Lewis winning a race, I think, it just because of how Abu Dhabi went in 2021. 
And yeah, it would have been pretty amazing if if he'd come through and won it there, but not to take anything away from science because fully deserved. I, I will say though, I thought he played it pretty calmly when he was behind Russell. I mean, there was one radio message where he said, George needs to pick up the pace. Obviously, mm-hmm. Lewis's tires were in a better situation than George were. But where my mind went was George just knowing he was back there and he was closing in. And you know that George knows as a seven-time world champion, he's going to be, even if he can't hear the radio messages and has no idea what Lewis is saying to his race engineer, that he's going to be gunning to want to pass. And so I think the added pressure of knowing I've got to try to overtake Lando, but then I've also got my own teammate who I'm holding up. I think that pressure kind of weighs on your mentality a little bit. Who knows if that then ended up in a slight, slight mistake that puts you in the wall and then ultimately your day is done. I thought that could have been a factor. Confidence yeah, is, think- a, is a fickle thing fickle. as well. Confidence, you know, it, it's a fine line and it'll be interesting to watch Russell. And and like you said, Nate, how gutted he was and knowing what he left on the table, how he bounces back from that. I think it's helpful though that he's racing again in what six days, five, you know, he's back on track immediately. I think sometimes when you make a mistake like that, have a devastating weekend, and then you go on break or there's a two week gap between, you know, continents, I think that can like weigh on your mind a little bit more. So for him to be able to get back in the car, I think will hopefully be a big deal for George. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. All right, Alphatari. Yuki Sonoda at his home race, obviously very exciting, looking to make a statement at AlphaTauri um, because we are hearing maybe that they're going to offer him an extension. We're not entirely sure yet, Nate. Where do we stand with Yuki's deal? Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I think I don't think AlphaTauri, I don't think Red Bull have made up their minds yet about. Okay, the... so we're still in the unknown Next territory. Year. I think I, I would be very surprised, and we've talked about this before, but I'd be very surprised if Ricardo isn't in the seat next year in one of those two seats for a lot of reasons. You know, he's come back, he's performing well. We mentioned, you know, his marketing kind of prowess. Red Bull are trying to sell that team. They're going to have a new brand coming in and kind of running the team. So having Ricardo there is manna from heaven for whoever you are. You've basically walked into F1 and you've got the most marketable driver there next to you. But I think the other seat is between Sonoda and Lawson. What I will say is I think Sonoda is probably the favorite of the two. Largely, well, not largely, but for for you know significant reason being that Red Bull, their engine partner, is still Honda. Obviously, and th- this is what a lot of the reports have been saying this weekend, that Sonoda is going to get a deal at the Japanese Grand Prix. I'm not completely ruling it out. We could get that by the end of the week. Um, but I think that there's still internally a lot of dialogue about how well Lawson's done. And I think that um, it's interesting as well because, you know, in Lawson, you've basically got exactly what the Red Bull program was designed for. It was you've got a young driver. He's come in. He's performed well. I've always got the impression that Christian Horner doesn't think Sonoda's ever going to race at Red Bull. I think he just thinks, look, don't think the guy's got it in terms of you know, his mental temperament. He has been better this year performance wise. Mm-hmm. But I just you don't get the sense that Red Bull feel like he's the next guy to replace Perez, you, you, you'd back Ricardo over Sonoda at this point. And if that's the case, what's the point keeping him is sometimes how you feel, right? So I think Sonoda still has it based on experience, based on Honda, based on a few other things. 
but it's really unlucky for Lawson because he's done nothing wrong at all and really deserves that opportunity. And actually, I would say it's a compliment to him that he's complicated it as much as mm-hmm. he has. That's fair. Because until he came in, it really looked pretty cut and dry. You know, it was okay. Ricardo will get it. Sonoda will will stay in for another year. Lawson stays as reserve. Everyone headache free for for the rest. Of, you know, for the end of the year. Lawson has completely complicated that situation, and he's done that because of how good he's been. P9 gets points in Singapore. That is Liam Lawson, who's been very, very impressive, as you just mentioned. Tyler, I'm putting the cap on your head. Okay. Does Liam Lawson deserve a seat at Williams enough to oust a Logan Sargent? I think Liam Lawson should get the seat at Alpha Tower. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Sargent really hasn't shown anything to warrant why you would say but Williams aside you think he deserves an alpha target absolutely why not you know Nate to your point if the Red Bull Junior program especially the state that it's in as they've tried to shore it up and, and get sharper if your your idea is to develop young drivers to eventually put them into a Red Bull seat why would you not Nick DeVries you know the question was hey here's a, a driver that we've seen with talent you put him in the alpha tower he did not deliver so then you made a change you went back to the known commodity and Daniel Ricardo. I think at this point, if you want to develop, I am all about any industry, develop your young talent opportunity. You can't do it sitting on the sideline with, with Ricardo. It, it was very important. So to me, it should be Lawson. And then the question is between Ricardo and Sonoda. And Nate, I think you made great points about having Daniel Ricardo around your team and what that brings, both from a driving perspective and then off the track as well. So I think Lawson should be the sure thing for Alpha Towery. Mm. Yeah, and, and this is where, and I, I don't envy Red Bull really having to make the decision because I can totally see the the longevity argument with Sonoda. You know, you've got that. You want AlphaTauri next year to be more competitive. Sonoda knows his way around the team a lot better. You know, you keep him in. I think Sonoda is good enough to stay in F1 as well. I think that complicates it because it it's there's a very big difference, isn't there, between is he good enough for Formula One and mm-hmm. is he good enough to to drive at Red Bull? Does he have the men, you know, the, the mental fortitude to drive alongside Max Verstappen? And I think there's different answers to both those questions. I think one is yes, he, he is good enough to be an F1. I mm-hmm. don't think Red Bull would ever think he's, you know, you, you see how Perez has struggled and Perez is oh. mentally, we always thought one of the strongest drivers around Yuki, you know, everything you hear from him, you know, he's, he, 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 he's not that that's not a strong part of his, of his, you know, kind of his game. And it is just three races, but so no, from what, sorry, from what we've seen from Lawson would suggest that he, you know, he's on a much more even keel when it comes to his temperament. Who knows? You know, that might change. We might see him have a big accent this weekend. You know, everyone's fickle. Suddenly they say, actually, this, you know, this Lawson guy's rubbish. But <laughs> right now, what we have is that, you know, it looks like Red Bull have kind of unearthed a bit of a gem in Liam Lawson, which may be, and I think he surprised them as much as he surprised people watching because if they knew he was this good, I think he'd been in the car already. It what, took... What's the word? Oh, sorry. I was just thinking, what's the word yeah. on a Ricardo return? Do you, do you know, Nate? What is it looking yeah, like? Yeah, I think so they, it's not going to be this weekend. Lawson's still in the car. Uh, they want it to be Qatar, which is obviously two weeks away. But I think it could be Austin because I think with what I've said, and, and again, I'm, I'm, I would say I'm about 90% sure Ricardo has, that, has one of those two seats. So if that is the case, there's no rush from Red Bull to go back. There's also no rush from him to go back, knowing he's got it. I think if that if that situation was was different, I think we could have seen him rushing back for these two races. But Qatar, from everything I've heard, is Qatar is there's a good chance he gets back for there. He'll definitely be back in time for Austin. It's just it's just how quickly things heal up. I think. 
All I was going to say is it took one good result from Nick DeVries to get a seat. We've seen now three pretty good ones from Liam Lawson. I would hate to think that he doesn't get a seat after performing this well, um, but I'm sorry if I just threw a stray bullet to Logan Sargent at Williams, but we shall see. Okay. No, but I think, no? I think it's fair. I think it was a fair bullet because, you know, Sargent's he's, you know, he's been given a great... Yeah. So not that there's many of those ever, but in this context, it's a fair one. Uh, Sargent's been given a car that's competitive, you know, and not as competitive as some, but Albon has shown what you can do with that car and he's not delivered. So I, you know, far away, Katie, I think it's, I think it's more than fair. <laughs> We're only here for fair bullets. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I might have to, I might have to think of a new way to word that going that's forward. So good. Bullets might okay. Last not. thought quickly before we get to predictions, Aston Martin, how badly do they need to have a good weekend going into Japan? Very. <laughs> and well, I think this is a whole other episode. We'll see how Stroll does this weekend. But mm-hmm. Stroll, I think, is just in so much. He's really in trouble there at the moment. You know, there's the confidence. We're talking about confidence and, and all this earlier. Mm-hmm. I think at, at Aston Martin right now, you have two drivers who are at completely different ends of the spectrum. Obviously, they had a terrible result in Singapore. Season's mm-hmm. kind of falling away from them a bit compared to where they were. But out of those two drivers, the big story is Lance had that big crash. Thankfully, walked away from it. You know, he was just a bit beat, a bit banged up. He wasn't wasn't injured badly. Um, but I think confidence is really low. So he needs a big result. I'd say more than the team, if anything, because the big question around the team is what you know the, the nepotism question. If mm-hmm. if Lance can't turn this around, the big question gets bigger and bigger, and that is what is Lawrence Stroll going to do about the fact that his son is kind of. You know, he's kind of stinking the joint out a bit at the moment because he's not performing well. He's crashing a lot. And in the other car, you've got a guy who is delivering really good results on a regular basis. So absolutely needs a strong weekend. I don't think Alonso really ever needs one. <laughs> he's always got one in, in his in, in his back pocket, but Stroll definitely does. And I think Aston, if you think about what we've been talking about the last few podcasts, we've talked about obviously Red Bull, how great McLaren are. We talked about Ferrari. We haven't talked about Aston in that light for a while. So yeah, they... Um. They need they need kind of a an injection of some 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 good when, feeling again in their season. McLaren is is hot on their heels. I think for Aston Martin, if they were to walk away from this season and McLaren were to jump over them and finish in fourth, it, it would be a a failure of a season given the improvement. Uh, it, well, yes, they, based they on showed. how they started the season, right? You know mm. that they they have it. What a fall! That's what it is. Is that it's you know it was uh, it was a high and they they definitely exceeded expectations at that that first you know juncture. But since then, it hasn't been any progress. And teams you know tend to progress, but they have have cliffed. Uh, and and part of that is that you're not getting you know you're you're not getting you have one driver that's pulling the weight a lot more than the other driver. And Nate, I think that's a very interesting, you know, storyline for Aston Martin. That's the the biggest Mm -hmm. question I think for that team is that does elder stroll make a decision to make the team more competitive or do they, you know, continue to wait around and see if they get the performance that they need from Lance. Yeah. It's, uh, and I, I'm not sure we'll ever see it. You know, it's a, it's a difficult decision, you know, family business, you know, those two things, there's a reason those two things should never really mix. If you look at the standings this year, just to your point, I'm sorry, Katie, I know I'm delaying our, our favorite quick. bit of the pod. I said quick but, um, and you two are just taking your time. Yeah, Go on. Yeah. Sorry, we, we, we think we've got two hours here. We don't, we've got the usual <laughs> amount of time, but so Lance Stroll has 47 points. Fernando Alonso has got 170 okay. points. So even if you, even if Stroll, we're not saying Stroll has the same amount of points for the year as Fernando. E- even if he had 60 more points, mm-hmm. e- even if he, e- even if he was on 100, that gap you mentioned, Tyler, is a lot bigger. You know, right now, you're right. McLaren is still 
you know, they're, they're, they're far away, but it's within reason that they could really drop off. They're also only 50 points behind, sorry, 40 points behind Ferrari. So with a few more stroll points, they're right in that fight, but they've completely dropped off that fight for, for third, you know, seconds a bit further up the field. But it shows you how big, you know, how big one driver being out of form these days is. At some point for Lawrence Stroll, you have to make a head decision, not a heart decision. And at what point do you decide that you are holding the team back, the entirety of the organization, because you continue to ride with your son? Now, at a certain point, he might think that he warrants and is deserving of that seat, but you just laid out the point scenario, and I think we can all you know, deduce. You know who else do needs a really big weekend? This girl, okay, <laughs> because I'm falling behind. It is prediction time, and I texted Lawrence Edmondson to get his predictions. He did not respond. I don't know if that's because he's like 19 hours ahead of me. He might be sleeping, yeah. might be walking the streets of Japan. Who knows? <laughs> But because of that, I'm making an executive decision as host of Unlapped. Tyler, and this could backfire on us, Nate. Tyler, I'm going to allow you to pick for Lawrence this week because he currently leads the standings with 37 points. Nate's two points behind at 35, and I am trailing by a lot now at 29 points. So, Tyler, welcome to the show. I know you've been before, but you've never done predictions. You are going first. I need your first, second, and third pick. First, Max. Okay. Second, Lewis, third, signs. Nice. That is one different than what I was going to do. And now I'm like, <laughs> by the way, he, Lawrence talked me out of Ferrari last week. He did. I'm no I longer, say, I I am no longer listening to him anymore. Yeah, yeah. I think he's but, doing it as a mind game so that he can continue to. Yeah. You got to watch out for him. He's a wily fox. He's a wily old fox. Wily fox. Okay. I'm going to go Max Lewis. Because I left him out last week and it burned me. And then I'm going to go with Lando instead of Carlos Sainz. But you, no, I'm I'm riding with it. I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to stick to my guns. Nathaniel? So I'm going to be really boring. I'm going to go Max, Checo, and then Sainz. I think Sainz, we've talked him up on this pod. Wow. In the form of his life right now, I want to see it continue. But I think Red Bull's just going to be back to to what we saw pre-Singapore. Do we approve of... You're like with me. So when Lawrence bitches next week and he's like, whoa, 100%. I just needed to. Okay. You're good with this. Unless, okay. unless Tyler's predicted all three correctly. And then <laughs> unless I, no, if I nail it. Trifecta. Yeah, if, if, if I, I get all predictions three right. Is dead. Yeah. yeah. Actually, we'll just give, we'll just give Tyler an asterisk that <laughs> oh, he was perfect for the season. And then we'll yeah. say that Laz was disqualified so that oh, he gets zero yeah. points. Let's do yeah. that. I'll, I'll be way ahead. He won't know any of this has happened because there's no way he goes back and listens to this podcast that he's missed because he's busy working. Yeah, if you want to throw strays, if I come in and score points, that's more than Sergeant. So, you know, I'm right there. (laughs) Well, there's some strays. Those are some strays. Is it a stray bullet or is it a fair bullet? We'll let you guys decide. (laughs) Tyler, so good to see you. We appreciate your time. Nate, as always, a pleasure. Enjoy watching at 6 a.m., 1 a.m., I think I'm maybe 11 p.m. on the West Coast. So wherever, whatever time you are able to watch, enjoy the race. We'll be back on Unlapped next week. Cheers, guys.